people are into this alien shit. I man. guess. But I'm thinking that they're that they're Googling like alien podcasts and we're popping up yeah. when they listen to it. <laughs> so anyways. That's awesome. I, I, I can't figure it out though. But anyways, we should probably get into this, huh? Alright, yeah. You ready? Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of four thirty in the morning. This is your boy Ben. And Pat is back as well. Fifty four. What do you got for fifty four, Pat? Not a whole lot. Olivier Vernon was number fifty four. Mm, there you go. I bet you he's gonna make a December comeback with the Browns. Mm. He uh, tore his Achilles or something last year, like in the not during the playoffs, but like in like the last couple games. Mm. But I guess he's getting ready to go. We'll see if he actually decides to come back. But that could be a nice little December edition. I can't think of any football players number fifty four. It's another one of those weird numbers. It's a weird number. It's a linebacker, maybe a center, mostly linebackers. There probably aren't a lot of. Number 54s that aren't linebackers or maybe defensive ends. I can't think of any 54s. Olivier Vernon is the only one I can think of. Bobby Wagner, 54? Bobby you know, he, Wagner. Or is he 45? I don't know. He might have been 54. You a think? good player's not going to wear 45. A good player's not going to wear 45. No. I can't think, damn it. This is our weakest introduction yet. This is. Well, Anyways. Pat, you got any news stories? I do, and we're going to keep it with football with this one. Sweet. The source of this is me watching football yesterday. Okay. Now, this one was discussed on a bunch of different news outlets. Josh Allen sacked yeah, it's all <laughs> by Josh Allen in the Bills and Jaguars game. Now, this is something that seemed to catch the media off guard, even though I've been waiting for this since <laughs> 2019. Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, was sacked by Josh Allen, the linebacker slash defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars this past Sunday. Josh Allen also intercepted a pass thrown by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen also managed to recover a fumble lost by Josh Allen all in the same game. Yeah, it's never happened before. <laughs> now, obviously, we got two guys named Josh Allen. One's a defensive end, one's a uh, quarterback. Both these guys were picked seventh overall. No Josh shit. Allen for the Bills was picked in 2018 seventh overall. This should have been in our weird coincidences episode. I thought about bringing this one up, honestly, but it, it's even better now. And then Josh Allen, the defensive end, was selected seventh overall in 2019 by the Jaguars. Both Josh Allens have already gone to the Pro Bowl in their young careers, and they're both six feet, five inches tall. Man, isn't weird that weird? Shit. Now, Josh Allen, the defensive end, is a little bit heavier. He's about 25 pounds heavier than uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback. Sure. But everybody thinks of Josh Allen, the quarterback. I think we should be thinking about Josh Allen, the defensive end. I think we, we've been thinking about him. Have you? Have you really? Yeah. Like, he's a good player. He is a really like, good player. He, he's a known good player. Sure. I think he should be, like, the Josh Allen. I think when you look up Josh Allen, it should pop up him first instead of Josh Allen, the quarterback. I mean, you can make an argument for that, honestly. And obviously. Like, Josh Allen's a really good quarterback. And when you look at the head-to-head matchup, the Jaguars beat the Bills. They did, which is unbelievable. <laughs> nine, <laughs> which is unreal. Nine to six. The most boring game ever. Not for Josh Allen. Not for Josh Allen. He had a pretty good day. Yeah, he did. And he is one of the... Uh, Urban needs all the wins he can get right now. Yeah, he's not... Well, I don't know. We don't really do conspiracy theories too much on this podcast. I think the whole thing with him and the chick in the bar was a plant. I think that that was all planned on purpose, hoping that the Jaguars would fire him so he could take one of the uh, lucrative college coaching jobs open up right now, either USC or LSU or something like that. I think he realized pretty quickly that he is not cut out for the NFL, and I think he was trying to get himself fired. I don't think you can tell right now, honestly. I think you can tell when when you try to apologize for something like that and the players laugh in your face. He's got no respect in that locker room. Well, like, not even the locker room. It's just, just coaching the game in general, you know. 
Yeah. Your strategy, your, uh, you know what I mean? And that's the other problem with Urban Meyer. Like, I didn't think he was NFL caliber, but it's like, it's too early to tell, in my opinion. We're about halfway through his first season as an NFL coach. I mean, give, yeah. give him at least two years to prove I, himself. He's not going to get two years. He probably won't, but if this shit didn't happen, the shit with the girl in the bar, I would say give him at least two years. Sure. Anyways, so Josh Allen sacks Josh Allen. NFL history, the first time a player has been sacked by another player of the same name. Pretty great. Anyways, what do you got, buddy? So, this is from our favorite odd news. Yes. This is kind of funny. This is from November 8th, 2021. Georgia judge banishes Elf on the Shelf from his county. I can get behind this one. So, Georgia judge issued a tongue-in-cheek order banishing the Elf on the Shelf recent Christmas tradition from his county. Cobb County Superior Court Judge Robert Leonard tweeted the text of an order banishing the Elf on a Shelf, a small toy elf that reports the actions of children to Santa Claus in the run-up to Christmas, due to it posing a risk to the emotional health and well-being of Cobb's young children. Oh my god. (laughs) Inexplicably, elves sometimes move and don't move overnight. When these elves do not move, it leaves our children of tender years in states of extreme emotional distress, Leonard wrote. The Elf on the Shelf sprang out in 2005 children's book of the same name by Carol Abersold and Chanda Bell. Leonard tweeted that this order was a gift to tired parents. He explained that families who love their elves can, be, can feel free to keep them. No contempts, he wrote. So apparently, Elf on the Shelf has been causing a lot of distress to the children of Cobb County. You know, if that is going to be causing the stress to the, for those children, if that's what's going to be stressing out those kids, then they're, they're lost causes. Dude, this world is just soft nowadays, man. They're lost causes. It's over. Are you kidding me? Like that, that, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. Elf on a shelf. See, that's not something I'm super familiar with. Like I've heard Me neither. This, I've heard the phrase before, but I didn't know that that was an actual thing. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. Some you know families do it. It's, like a, it's just a fun, stupid little thing. Keep sure. Your, keep your kids on the good list. I guess. You know? No, I do have a funny quick aside with elves. Sure. Elves. Is it elves or is it elves? I don't know what Santa's elves are considered. We're going to say elves. These are, I think these are are elves. Okay. Sure. We're going with Santa's elves. We're trying to stick with Santa's elves, not Legolas or all those weirdos. Sure. So back when I worked in retail, our store had kind of like a promotion. Back when, you know, the phone AI where you could like scan your phone and it would like pop up as something different. Sure. You know, you know, like the Snapchat filter or something. It was like, it was like a precursor to that where basically you could scan their phone and it would just be like a head cardboard cutout with an elf body. And it was a promotion in the store, like a cardboard cutout thing that you'd stand near. And if you scanned it right, you'd get a picture of yourself as an elf. <laughs> okay? On the store intercom, you know how they play commercials on the store intercoms? They would talk about the promotion. And then they would say, go elf yourself. <laughs> I shit you not. That's funny as shit. <laughs> go elf yourself. That's ridiculous. And then it would tell you where to go in the store to go do that. Wow. Isn't that ridiculous? That's kind of ridiculous. Anyways. That's funny. Elf on a shelf. Go elf yourself. That's what that guy should have said. Yeah, probably. He should have told that elf, yeah. told that elf. To go elf itself. To go elf itself. Yes. Anyways, I got one more. Sure. Actually, I got two more. Okay, this one comes from the Tribune.com, and this one I just found today. Okay. Man kills himself as an offering to God for getting a job. For getting a job? For getting a job. Okay. 32-year-old had promised God that he would kill himself if he gets a bank job. 
In a bizarre incident, a man in India committed suicide as an offering to God for getting a bank job, according to India Today. The incident occurred in the Indian state of Tamil Nadu's Nagarkoil area. According to the report, Naveen, 32, had vowed to give up his life and be with God if he gets a job in the Mumbai branch of the Bank of India. I'm just trying to find the sense in this. Now listen to this. After successfully getting the job, Navid went to the Thiruvannan Thapparam on Friday, nearly 15 days after joining the work, and lay down on the railway track. He was killed after a train ran him over. Jesus. The man left a suicide note saying that he was fulfilling the promise that he made to God that he would be with him if he were to get a job. Local railway police rushed to the spot and took custody of the body. The police also investigated if there were any other reasons for Naveen to have taken the extreme step. couple questions here. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> did anyone know about what this guy was going to do? Apparently did, did... not. Most of this is going off of the suicide note. Okay. I can't imagine wanting to get a job so badly that I would literally kill myself for it. Because you usually hear that phrase, I would kill for that job. I'd kill for that opportunity. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't normally refer you to yourself, You don't really though. kill yourself in retrospect yeah. after. It's usually a precursor to getting the job. Yeah. It's usually somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on with that one. That's weird. That guy, obviously, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty terrible. It's sad. No, he, it's sad. He, he got it's ran awful. over by a damn train, but uh seems like he needed some psychological help. I don't, I don't know. You know? I don't know. <laughs> What could have led to the situation? Right. Could you imagine me in the bank that hired him? Yeah. Like, who would have thought? Right. Anyways, that's all I got for that one. It's a really weird one. All right. I got another one from our favorite Odd News. Minnesota police called to break up Bald Eagle street fight. Minnesota police officer was summoned to break up an unusual street fight when two bald eagles were found stuck together in the middle of the road. The city of Plymouth sent in a Facebook post that Officer Mitch... Martison responded to a neighborhood on a report of two bald eagles stuck together on a Plymouth roadway. Martison said being called to break up a street fight between two bald eagles was a first for him. We do have de-escalation tactics, but I've never applied them to eagles or other animals. (laughs) (laughs) The officer consulted with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and the Raptor Center which told him the Eagles were likely in a dispute over territory. Martinson said he was attempting to cover the birds' heads and call them down when they decided to flee the scene. The Eagles started going at it again, and the next thing you knew, they were flying away, Martinson said. And that's the end of the article. (laughs) First off, this guy made some determinations. He shows up to the scene, (laughs) and he was like, shit, we got a problem on our hands. My de-escalation techniques are not going to work on this. Right. So he starts making phone, <laughs> starts making phone calls, trying to figure out. Okay, well, who would know what to do? So he made he called what a couple different agencies. I think according to your article, uh, what the hell did it say? Fucking uh, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and Raptor Center. See, the Raptor Center would be my first call. Yeah, for the sure. Department of Natural Resources. That could. Well, what be... the hell? What the hell are they gonna do? That could be anything. Yeah, sure. I guess good problem-solving techniques, maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, but that's like the most American thing it I've is ever pretty heard. Cool. It is pretty cool. Two bald eagles fighting over territory. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's pretty American. It's pretty great to hear. Anyways, I'm proud of Mitch, Officer Mitch. Are you are you proud to be an American? Absolutely, every fantastic. Day. Every day, and I'm pretty sure Mitch, Officer Mitch, is too. Definitely, definitely. Anyways, is that that's all you got with that one? That's all I got with that one. I've got one more. Sure. And this one's going to take us to one of our favorite states. Okay. This one comes from NBC2.com. This is out of Madison County, Florida. Okay. Florida man <laughs> arrested for trying to rob Waffle House with finger guns. So when you when you mean finger guns, you mean like he's pointing like his hand like a gun? We're going to get into it. Okay. Madison County Sheriff's Office deputies said Eward, E-W-A-R-D, Eward, yeah. Eward Rodriguez was arrested for an unarmed robbery and assault. An employee at the Waffle House on Bandit Street in Madison <laughs> <laughs> called 911 after the incident at around 8.09 p.m. on Monday. Madison County deputies said that no one was injured and the suspect got into a car and left the parking lot. Multiple deputies responded and a witness told them that a white man wearing a gray hoodie, dark jeans, and a dark hat went into the Waffle House with his dog. Investigators with the sheriff's office said that he started to shout, Get on the ground, y'all! Y'all getting robbed! The suspect also said he was high and drunk before grabbing some napkins and walking out. <laughs> Deputy said that the suspect didn't appear to have any weapons, but did raise his hands with his fingers in the shape of a gun. <laughs> Investigators said they identified Rodriguez as a suspect from witness descriptions and video surveillance. He was found at his Medi- Madison home on Dinkins Street. Deputies said that he did admit that he was at the Waffle House to get some napkins and said he was going to rob the restaurant. Rodriguez was arrested and taken to Madison County Jail. So he robbed the restaurant, and all he got away with was some napkins? Correct. He decided to make a scene with the finger guns. He could have just walked up in there and asked for napkins. They probably would have given them to him. Probably. But now this guy is getting in trouble for literally not having a weapon in well, trying to rob the rob the restaurant. It was listed as an unarmed robbery, I guess. Oh, okay. I guess finger guns don't really count as a weapon. Okay, I didn't Maybe. know what they uh, put in their report, you know. Anyways, I didn't know. I thought that was funny that he robbed the restaurant for napkins. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been there where you like really needed napkins? So I keep a stockpile. I usually, well, like, I rarely go in to, like, okay, if, if we go to a sit-down restaurant, I don't ask for, like, extra napkins, and I, I take them with me. I rarely do that. That's weird. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. If I'm in, like, a fast food restaurant, yeah, I'll grab, like, a stack. Sure. And then I'll keep it. Sure. Now, I normally don't ask for extra if I'm if it's through the window. No, I, w- I would never ask for extra, but if I'm right. eating and I have way too many napkins, I'm saving that shit. Yes, 100%. 100%. And extra horsey sauce. Sure. And ketchup. Yeah. Horsey sauce. Yes. At Arby's. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's get, good. You ever get the horsey sauce? Yeah, That's horsey. my favorite. Yeah, it's good stuff. I love that. I could put that on any any of their items. Yeah, for like, sure. I don't get the chicken tenders too often, but you could just get the horsey sauce. See, their chicken tenders are good. Their chicken tenders are really good. I don't get yeah. them very often, but... They're quite filling, too. Yes. But instead of a sauce, you just say, I don't need any sauce. I'm going to use the horsey sauce instead. Anyways. Anyways. Do you got any more uh, news today, sir? I do have one more little thing. One more little thing. Okay. Now, this is from Paige. 
my okay. fiance, and she's been following the uh, events of what took place at a Travis Scott concert. Oh my! Did you God. hear about this? This was a disaster. Now, what the media is reporting is not the full story. No, it's not. Of it's what happened? Very, very scary. It's, are we? Are we sure we're going to talk about this? Because this is scary. Well, she's been following like these these TikTokers that were there and like took videos and like they go through the videos and talk about it and what happened and everything. Sure. So these are like eyewitness people that were there. Yep. And the media is reporting eight deaths. People that were there and multiple people that were there say that there were countless bodies all over the place. Like it was ridiculous. There were so many in the, the, the crowd. Now Travis Scott, he's gotten in trouble for doing things like this. He like eggs his fans on to like break into their shows and like overcrowd the shows and be rowdy as shit and just do ridiculous shit during the concerts. Sure. And he's gotten in trouble for this. He's this been, is he's, the he's, first time something like this has happened. Yeah, he's been to, he's he's been to jail for this type of shit, but this concert was just different and weird. It had this really weird satanic occult type uh type atmosphere. They a lot of people think it was some type of satanic ritual of all these people dying. Which that doesn't surprise me. And, now they're yeah, reporting what, there there is some weird shit going on with there this. definitely is. And that was the one thing I read about that immediately and there was like something is way off with this one. Way off. Especially in the coronavirus pandemic era of ultra security. Yeah. This is a complete disaster. Yeah, there was hardly any security there and I guess there are over 50,000 people in this area. Yeah. And it's called Astro World and that's where he has his festival and I guess literally people were literally like dying and he just would not stop the concert. He he would just he would continue to egg them on. And that's the biggest problem number 1. I mean, you feel terrible for the people that died there because not everybody there was part of what was going on. You yeah, know that definitely. Probably none of the deceased were part of what was going on. Right. Uh the other problem is that no, he didn't stop the concert and there were people on the ground screaming stop the show stop the show stop the show and there was no effort to actually stop what was going on people were getting on the stage so then there's a whole bunch of different theories as to what the hell is actually going on it's not getting reported well it's not getting talked about well because i think it's just it's a total disaster for a whole lot of different factions in america for this type of thing to be allowed to happen right because obviously there was no structure whatsoever to keep people safe there are security guards coming out and this did happen on at least one occasion where some security guard got hit with a needle yeah somebody, a lot of somebody, a lot of people there there were people out running around just randomly stabbing stabbing people, people with needles and, and the officer overdosed and died yeah well one did one got brought back by narcan and oh, he no was a shit. witness and he was like something stabbed my neck next thing you know i was down and that's the last thing he remembers getting stabbed and then he was down and then he got revived with narcan unreal so something really 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 Some, weird was something going on. weird was going on with that concert man and if you watch videos from it and just the whole display that he had set up and like the video art and shit that was going on on the stage really weird really weird shit yeah and before we close it i think it's very important to say that we can't be sensationalizing a story like this sure but even if we're not trying to sensationalize a story like this because i don't think we should because this is still a new fresh thing this is something i'm not very well researched on sure so we can't be sitting out there we can speculate a little bit we can't be trying to diagnose exactly what the right hell is these, happening. these are theories you know 
like right now the report is like and this has happened at just regular shows is if it, people concerts can get so crowded that people literally can't breathe sure and they get trampled and people do die from that however what's weird is eight people dying yeah, even that's even a if, lot and that's what the media is reporting eight people dying of trample related illness or suffocation suffocation is basically what it is basically there was a people, the people crush is what was going on. Yeah. So eight people dying. And this doesn't happen in America. I can't remember this ever happening in America yeah, before. Me in, at least in recent memory, at a concert, no less. Right. And then you've got reports of dozens, if not hundreds, of people going into cardiac arrest. Now that could happen in a people crush, but still, I've never been in a show. Well, I don't go to a lot of concerts, but I've never been in a crowd where I honestly God, I thought that I was going to get crushed. Never once has that occurred to me. Right. Me neither. And I've been in some ridiculous situations. I think everybody's been in some ridiculous situations. Right. The fact that this isn't like talked about as much as it should be is really weird to me yeah it's uh and again we can't it's weird it's not all over the news we can't uh, sensationalize it too much yet true there's something down the road we can talk about a little bit more but definitely still yeah i just when she was telling me that it was crazy because i didn't even hear about it until she told me about it they're trying to downplay everything right anyways i think it's important to talk about it because i mean people die those victims are gone yeah like i just i'm just like to figure out what the hell happened man exactly i don't know if it's if anything's gonna change though i don't know what obviously this kind of thing hopefully he's held accountable to to some degree i hope so because he should have stopped the show immediately yeah anyways are you about ready for our main topic let's get into it yeah we're gonna be changing tones a little bit this is pat's episode again we'll see (laughs) <laughs> this is something that we've kind of talked about in various points throughout the entire podcast, I'd say. It's the kind of topic that it comes up. Sure. And this week we're going to be talking about mysterious archaeological discoveries. Awesome. So basically it's going to be stuff that doesn't quite fit established narratives, stuff that creates more questions than answers, kind of stuff like that. Right. So I've got I've got a handful I might get into. How many do you got today? I have... I have four. Yeah, four. I've got four, but... We, we probably have the same, at least one. We'll see, because I did my research. I did a lot of different research on this one. Sure. There were ones I was going to talk about, and then I decided not to. So I was kind of circling around for a while, but I landed on three good ones, and then maybe four total. Sure. Now, before we get into this, I got a little commentary I want to do. Sure. The thing with archaeology is it's such it, there it, it's not a refined science it's a social science mm-hmm. it all depends on who's gonna finance this type of thing like who's gonna finance a study because you can't have a study without the money without it. money backing it to get anything actually done right so every archaeological dig that we talk about is sponsored by somebody somebody got the money together and got the permits to access the site which we're gonna find is a very difficult thing to do mm. to actually get the permits to go to somewhere and dig you can't just go dig wherever the hell you want to right we can't go to a national park and just start, start an archaeology <laughs> right. And more often than not, everybody that wants to do something like that is going to get shut down. Right. So you're going to see it's very systematic, the process of what is allowed to get dug up. Mm. And it's also systematic as to, well, we dug some shit up. Is it going to get published or not? There's not a whole lot of independent research being done. And independent research is being done with people like Graham Hancock. That's our guy. Who I'm starting <laughs> to get into him a little bit more. And he has written off as pseudoscience, not because of his processes, just because he's asking questions that nobody else seems to want to talk about. Right. So with all of that in mind, that's going to be very controversial. And every anthropologist that listens to this is going to hate me. But that's all right. I don't care. I'm sorry that you guys picked a science. That doesn't really matter. Ooh. I'm sorry. Ooh. And if you have a problem with it, start your own podcast and talk about why I'm a piece of shit. But at least my livelihood isn't invested in this type of shit. I can just comment on it. There you go. So anyways, what do you got today? What do we want to start with? 
Have you ever heard of the Terracotta Warriors? Yes, China. Yes. I'm, I figured you'd had this one. My Busha is obsessed with like Asian shit, and she's got a couple of <laughs> she's got a couple of like miniature terracotta That's awesome. replicas at her house. So in 1974, farmers in China were digging a well, and they they came upon a statue of a soldier. But that was not the only statue. However, archaeologists started excavating the site and have d- discovered over 8,000 of them. That's just unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's a ridiculous number. And there's probably more than that. They haven't they haven't excavated the entire site because of structural issues, but. They there's probably a lot there's probably even more yeah uh, now each soldier is made of clay and each soldier has their own facial expression and weapon the army was created to defend China's first emperor Qin Shi Huang yep which he was China's emperor from 259 BC to 210 BC now he the army was built basically to defend him in the afterlife that's why they built him this big ass yep. mausoleum basically now. Nobody has technically found the emperor's tomb. That's always interesting. And they don't really know where it's at. They have some ideas. Some people think that it's in the unexcavated area, but I guess there's also like a pyramid-shaped mausoleum like a mile away from where the army was found. Sure. And some believe that they're that it's in there, but no one's ever been in that pyramid either. Interesting. So, yeah. Nobody really that's basically the mystery behind this archaeological discovery. Nobody knows where the actual emperor is, and supposedly there's treasure buried with the emperor as well. So they got the army, they've got the story. Yeah. But they don't have anything that completes any of it. Exactly. That's interesting. I wonder why they wouldn't try to excavate the pyramid. There's gotta be a reason. Yeah, I don't really know. Uh but I guess this whole mausoleum is is pretty incredible. I mean it had like a it had a whole network of caves and it had like a drainage system. And all kinds of shit. Sure. Like, it was, this thing's massive. And I would not discount the fact that there are definitely cultures in our distant past that had a lot of technological ability. Sure. And obviously that's evidence right there. And you're going to see similar shit across the entire globe, basically. Yeah. So. The, the ancients had, uh, they were very smart. They had a lot of technology. It's incredible. It's basically all there is about the terracotta So warriors. that's the terracotta warriors. And these are like yep. lifelike statues, like life Yeah. Size. Yeah, they're he- they're big. There's thousands of them. And each and like I said, they uh, each one of them has like a different facial their own facial they're expression. They're all unique. Yeah, it's incredible. Which is crazy. I wonder how the hell did they manufacture that? <laughs> how long did that take I can't, to build? I it, I can't wrap my head around that. It's like the pyramids. It's just, it's the same yeah, thing. It's like yeah, I can't wrap exactly. my head around it. Exactly. Anyways, we're going to stick in the ancient world with this one. All right. And we were just talking about how the ancients were really smart. This is one of the most mind-boggling artifacts I've ever heard about. This one I've heard about in different places. I had it in my book. My book is called Our Occulted History by Jim Mars, which is one of his more recent books. Now, Jim Mars is dead at this point. This one was written in 2013. He's like your favorite author. He is. (laughs) And I found out about him on Coast to Coast AM a few years ago. I started like researching his books. And I'm like, man, it sounds like really interesting shit. So this was the first Jim Mars book that I got. I haven't actually finished this one yet, though. Mm-hmm. But he talks about all sorts of different stuff in this one. And it's called Our Culted History, which is a ridiculous title. And I feel like he was forced to publish it under a ridiculous title mm. so that a lot of people wouldn't buy it because there's a lot of like solid information in this book. Mm. But if it were to be more mainstream... Like it, anthropology would be almost as short as a science because there'd be so many questions mm. popping up. Anyways, interesting. Now this one is discussed in that book, but I don't feel like this was the first time I heard about this one. I feel like I've heard about this one elsewhere. And I was watching a show on Amazon Prime. I can't remember what network produced it, but it was called Strangest Things. Mm-hmm. 
which was about this type of topic, basically mysterious artifacts that we don't know a whole lot about. This one is called the Antikythera Mechanism. Discovered amidst a shipwreck in 1901, the Antikythera Mechanism exists today as basically a lump of carotid bronze is mm-hmm. what it looks like. Yep. It was found encased in what appeared to be at one time a wooden box, roughly like a shoebox size. So maybe, maybe about the size of your printer. Sure. Not that much smaller than that. Maybe a little bit smaller than that. Discovered amongst other artifacts and treasures dating back to the first century BC. The lump of carotid bronze, corroded, the lump of corroded bronze was initially regarded as of little significance compared to the rest of the treasure discovered down there. So there were coins, there were all sorts of like really interesting artifacts down there. Mm -hmm. The lump of bronze kind of got missed up. Like who cares about this lump of junk basically? Could have been part of the shipwreck or whatever. Now these guys were sponge divers that dove down. So they were obviously fixating on the treasure. Like holy shit. Yeah, no shit. And they were in the Aegean Sea, which is the like the Greek Sea, right? So the island was Antithicaria that they were diving off of, which is kind of near Crete. If you're familiar with that island out there, it's part of the archipelago, like the Greek islands. Sure. If you play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you can probably go to this island. Honestly, it's got to be it's got to be part of the game. Never played it. It's like it's like a sea game, but you like bounce across the islands of Greece. That's pretty sweet. During the Peloponnesian War, that's kind of it's cool. really cool. And the map is mind-bogglingly huge. Like, you, you spend all your time on a boat. Is it like, an RPG game? Yes. It's Assassin's Creed. I've never played them. I've never... Yeah. You, like, build up your character, and you build up your different skills over time. Oh, no shit. And you can get lost in this world. Like, it's... it's Maybe it's, I'll check it out. It's huge. Anyways, so they didn't really know what the hell it was, but in 1902, somebody looking at it was like, hey, there are gears attached to this. Like, this has a gear in it. So then they started to do a little bit more analysis, and then they realized that it was the remains of a highly advanced system of gears. And there were like three dozen gears right. like intertwined within this mechanism. Have you ever seen the model of what it of what it would have looked like? Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. And they were able to determine that the gears of different sizes were meant to do certain things. But essentially it was like a star map mm. that tracked mostly the planets and the moon and the sun. And it had a calendar attached to it. And the calendar, like, it was, like, written in Greek, but it was using, like, the Egyptian calendar. And it's very tough to place, like, where this actually came from. Some people attributed it to Archimedes. Like, the first time that I read about it, I figured it was Archimedes, who was, like, the ancient Greek science man. He was kind of towards the latter time of the ancient Greeks. He was born on Sicily and lived in Syracuse, which was the old town or the old settlement on Sicily. He was known for inventing and writing a whole lot, and he's a very popular ancient Greek scientist. Sure. So I figure that it was probably associated with him, and a lot of people are trying to say that it was associated with him, but the timeline doesn't really match up super well. They think this was made in the first century B.C., but they really don't know. Like, there's another guy from Rhodes that they think it might have been associated with. But what what's mind-boggling is it, it tracks the planets and the moon and the sun. And basically, it's got a calendar attached to it, so you twist the big gear to a date, and it shows you where the stars are. And they're saying it's like almost like a computer, like an analog computer. Yeah, they, they call it the first computer. And there's like 36 gears, and it's so meticulously assembled. Like, it's so precise. And supposedly, like, I don't know how the hell they can test this. But apparently it works really well, and it's it's like it's like exact. <laughs> right. How can now, they test that shit? The thing that's mind-boggling is you know how the moon orbits on an ellipse? So it's not a perfect circle. The circular orbit, the moon doesn't have a circular orbit. It's an elliptical orbit. Sure. This device accounts for the ellipse because gears are circular. It's got somehow it had a mechanism that, like, throws the one gear out of balance as the moon would go along its ellipse. So it's able to track the ellipse of the moon. That's ridiculous. Not just the circu- the circular right. orbit. 
and it can be used to predict eclipses and all that shit. Unreal. And there's even like other gears that are meant to do like other things. And there's there's a lot of writing on it. Like at one point they figured that it had to have been an instruction manual was like attached to this device at one point. And it all exists. There's a museum in Athens where the remains of the device are still there. It looks like a like a corroded piece of junk that's right. been sitting in the ocean for two thousand years. But it's mind boggling. Like how the hell like just thinking about how long ago that was since before that, the time of Christ. Yeah, that, that that's a different level of genius for that yeah. time. And the precise... The, Gears? The preciseness. That wasn't even, the, the, wasn't the, even th- thought of at that time. The mechanisms that it used don't come out until like the 17th century in clocks. Yeah. Like you never see anything. Exactly. You're exactly right. You don't yeah. see anything like this. Like, there's no evidence in history of anything like this until like the 17th century when clocks started coming out. Yeah. And even those weren't as good as what this thing is. It's incredible. It's got to be aliens, man. I don't know about that. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they gave them the power possible but i can't imagine this being so precise like yeah, and having all the maps and having that the whole thing with the moon the ellipse it's, it's, of the moon. i mean it's it's honestly probably the biggest mystery we've we've found and i'm surprised this one doesn't get more attention right. it has to just be because you can't answer any questions with it it doesn't answer any questions it just creates a ton more right it's probably why we don't hear about this why i never heard about this in college or anything right but it's real 100 percent. there have been scientists that have said that it is more significant than the mona lisa it's like one of the most most significant archaeological finds ever. So that's the Antikythera Antikythera mechanism. Yeah, that's, that's an a good, interesting that's one. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Anyways, what else you got, man? Have you ever heard of the Shroud of Turin? Turin. Yes, I have. The Shroud of Turin. Now, this is another weird one. This is definitely a weird one. Uh, so many believe that the Shroud of Turin to be the burial shroud of Jesus Christ. The long piece of twill cloth has traces of blood with an imprint of a man's face and body. Now, Live Science gives a LiveScience.com. Sure. Use it a couple of times throughout the podcast, uh, this website. They have a, pr- a really quick and easy historical rundown of the Shroud of Turin. So the Catholic Church officially recorded the existence of the, sh- of the Shroud in A.D. 1353. Okay. Which is when the cloth showed up in a church in Lyrae, France. Lyrae, France. I'm not sure how you say that. Sure. But the legend of the Shroud dates back to A.D. 30 or 33, According to that legend, the shroud has the, the shroud was transported from Judea, now southern Palestine, to Edessa, Turkey, and later to Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. Yep. When Crusaders sacked Constantinople in AD twelve oh four, the cloth was moved to Athens, Greece, where it was allegedly held until AD twelve twenty five. There has been a lot of debate whether the shroud is the work of medieval forgery. Do you know that? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> And in the 1980s, uh, researchers said that the cloth was created between A.D. 1260 and A.D. 1390. But in the 70s, the Shroud of Turin research project said the markings on the cloth were consistent with a crucifixion and that the human blood stains were real. And some researchers uh, claimed that it was created between 1260 and 1390, 300 B.C. to 400 A.D. Like, the research is just all over the place with this. I'm trying to remote view what happened with this. Shut the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making much progress. But no, yeah, the Shroud of Turin, it's pretty crazy to to look at if you ever looked at it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've done a lot of research on this one. 
Uh, do you believe it's a medieval forgery? Um, there are some weird things about it that don't get talked about. The biggest one is when you look at the actual like imprint, mm-hmm. it looks like like a reverse X-ray, basically. Yeah, and like even in my alien books that aren't really Christian based. They still think that Jesus still rose from the dead, but they think that he was an alien body that was reanimated. <laughs> and it's consistent with getting shot with a volt of lightning to reanimate it like, oh what we, would, like we would. Uh, right. You know how we do the... the yeah. Well, I can't remember what the hell it's called. but uh, I forget what it's called, too. Not EKG, but... It's the... Defibrillator. Defibrillator, yep. They say that it's consistent with that. Okay. Now, how that would get left on fabric, I don't really know. But they say that if a massive volt of energy shot up... It could leave like a reverse x-ray type sure and they've also done like analysis on it where they've done like use like the negative image of the photos yeah for a medieval forgery this had to have been really good really good that's that's my thing man like i've seen people do it like recreate it with what would have been available but it's like how the hell there's no way there's no way there is some there are some weird inconsistencies about it but overall there's not enough there's not enough to make a determination about it there really yeah there's it's a complete mystery. I don't know if we'll For ever know. Every scientific or scientific as in establishment's perspective of what happened. Right. There's always something that they can't really answer. They can't really deal with. Exactly. So that's an interesting one. I can't believe I didn't even think of to bring that one up on this episode. I'm surprised too. I, I thought you would have most of these. <laughs> yeah. For me, at least, I tried to stay away from the types of things that were not really proven. Sure. Like, like we can't really prove the Stroud attorney, even though it's a very... We could do an entire episode just on that. Sure. Because the history of it is really weird. Um, It was burned at one point, but it survived yeah. or something. Yep. I don't know. I've always wanted to believe that it's real. Me too. I've always wanted to see it. That's probably like the official, like the biggest artifact in the history of the world, basically. Probably. And I don't know. I just don't know who would have thought to save that. I don't. I don't know if people would have thought to save that back then. You would if it was Jesus Christ on on the cloth. You would you know make yeah. sure it would be saved. Yeah. I like don't know. like who would go like all the times it's been passed. It survived the Crusades. Like, everything it's been through and the lengths that these people went through to keep this thing safe. I don't yeah. know. And it's weird that they found it in like, Constantinople. Like, living back then was difficult. Yeah. And when people moved moved around, like, it's it's hard to imagine they would take anything other than what they needed to survive. Yeah. And, you know, Istanbul slash Constantinople was the capital of the Byzantine Empire back then. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of into that type of shit because it was mostly a Christian type. Sure. They they thought they considered themselves the Roman Empire. They were around to the 1400s. Isn't that weird to think about? Not that long ago. Not that long ago. <laughs> Grand scheme of things. Anyway, so that's a shrouded turn. That was an interesting one. You yeah, anything more definitely. with that one? That's about it. All right, I got a couple more quick ones. Yeah, I got quick ones. The next one is the San Pedro Mountain Mummy. I don't know if you've heard about this one before. The San so. Pedro Mountains are a mountain range in Wyoming. I, fir- I first heard about this story back on Unsolved Mysteries, which was an episode, I think it was in 1994 when it originally aired. And the San Pedro Mountain Mummy was found in Wyoming by some gold prospectors in 1934. They were basically exploring a cave in Wyoming, and it's kind of like in the eastern, but like the central part of Wyoming. This is like a little bit of a, like a mountain range out there with some caves. Mm-hmm. And they were exploring, looking for a place of gold mine, basically, when they stumbled across a cave which had nothing in it except for this mummy now this mummy is like 15 inches in size so it's like okay not that big and it's a humanoid and it's positioned in kind of a weird 
pose. Hmm. It's like kind of like it's not really the traditional Native American burial, but it's like this kind of positioned oddly. Okay. And it looks like a human kind of sorta except it's got like a smushed skull, big eyes, long kind of long limbs. Hmm. And to me it looks like a statue. Like sure. that's just what it looks like. But apparently it was an actual mummy, like an actual it was a creature that was mummified. Okay. We really don't know a whole lot beyond that. Now this was found in 1934. Eventually a guy named Ivan Goodman ended up purchasing the mummy from these guys basically after it changed hands a few times he was a businessman out in wyoming and he was trying to he had enough money he wanted to figure out what it was he thought it was gonna be worth a whole lot now native american legends claimed that the area was sacred ground basically and that the mummy itself was like sacred or there's something attached to the mummy sure now what got everybody going with this was this is only 15 inches tall is that there are plenty of native american stories about like little like people they call them pygmies but that's the american version of of the little people, like the American word for it. I can't remember what the hell they had for it. But they had a, a legend about these little people that lived in the area, basically. Hmm. And it, I guess it's, I guess there are different different uh, tribes have similar stories. I don't know all the details on all that. But the story exists. So this Ivan Goodman guy was trying to prove that here's evidence that those stories were true. I got the body, basically. Hmm. So he took it around the country trying to get some analysis done on it. And until 1950, he was out there trying to research this shit. And he even had, like, x-rays done on it. And they figured the best guess was that it was a baby, like an infant, except it had, like, adult features. Like, the body looked like it was an adult body. (laughs) And it only had one set of adult teeth. It didn't have the two sets of teeth, which you would find on an x-ray and on any baby body ever. So, it's really weird. They can't, they, they still don't know what it is. And it disappeared in 1950. Because Ivan Goodman guy gave it to some guy named... Oh, okay, he gave it away. Well, he gave it to research... It didn't just get up and walk away and disappear. It didn't, no, it didn't walk toe. away. It was entrusted to a guy named Leonard Waddler, who was supposed to research it. We don't really know a whole lot about this guy, but Ivan Goodman ended up dying shortly thereafter of a mysterious illness. Huh. And Ivan or Leonard Waddler was never heard from again. Weird. So he poofed off the map along with the mummy. There are tons of photographs of it, and there's tons of people that claim that they have researched it, and there's, like, documents of their research. And the best guess is that it was a baby that was born deformed, number one, and had a condition called anencephaly, which is basically a baby's born without a brain, which they claim accounts for the smushed head. Okay. But there's also evidence that that isn't really what happened, and that there was trauma to the brain, and that's why the baby had a smushed head. So there's a lot of back and forth. But then when Native Americans were brought in to discuss, like, the, the the position that it was in, it didn't fit any of the burial the burial positions that they would commonly use in that area. So basically nobody knows what the hell was going on with it. It disappeared in 1950. But it's really, it's really weird and it's really creepy looking. Yeah. There's some people that claim it's an alien. There's some people that claim it's like a leprechaun. At one point uh, in 1943, an article was published that claimed it was a 65-year-old, very small man. <laughs> but what I noticed when I watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode is they brought some, like, like, like state archaeologists on to talk about it. And a lot of people that claim to be in the establishment, they couldn't answer for anything. They use a logical fallacy that I call the appeal to authority. Logical fallacy where they don't have an opinion. They're just like, well, you know, this guy from this institute says that it's like using it's a an, baby. It's like using an argument from authority in a debate. Yeah, And that's, I think that is actually a real logical fallacy if you study classical logic. Sure. But 
the people in the documentary or on the on the, the segment weren't answering any question. They weren't looking at the evidence as it was presented. They were just, well, this opinion says this, so this is what I go with, basically. Right. So that's an interesting one, the San Pedro Mountain Mummy. Yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of interesting to look at. you got to look at some pictures of it sometime. What do you think it is, an alien? I don't think it's an alien. I, just, I, I don't think, like, you're making a lot of jumps to say it's a baby with all these random-ass conditions. Now, I'm not saying that that could happen, but what are the chances that the one baby mummy found in in the mountains <laughs> right. happens to have all these problems. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there, there's you're jumping in logic. You're making a jump no matter what jump you go to. Sure. So. I, I feel like if there were multiple, like, little people, like the Native Americans were saying. Sure. I feel like there, you'd find more than one mummy. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, I can kind of get behind the theory of a kid experienced some type of trauma. Yeah, it is a really weird story. At the end of the day. Yeah, weird I just shit. think the process is exposed either way because either... Definitely. Either you got it right or you got it wrong, but nobody really knows. Why right. can't people just say, hey, we don't know? Or they always got to... There's, there's got to be an answer. There's yeah. got to be an answer. So, Anyways. Somebody's got to prove themselves or someone's always got to have the last say. And I got a quick aside, real quick. This is going to be really, really quick. Along the same lines, there are those people out there that have to be... that have to act like they have the answer to everything. Yes. One of these people is my uncle. <laughs> Back a few years ago, I had to shave my beard for some, so I had to go somewhere. I had to shave my beard. I had a really long beard. I had the idea. I don't know why, but I thought that it would make a great bird's nest, my beard. So I put it outside where birds lived, hoping that they would take it and let my beard become a nest. That didn't happen. So after about a week, it just sat outside <laughs> in my backyard because no birds took it. My brother got a funny idea that he was going to take a picture of it and show it to my uncle. But like, hey, we found this weird ball in our, this ball of hair, we think, in our backyard. We want you to identify <laughs> it. And my uncle sat there for like 20 minutes looking at this thing. He was like taking his glasses off, staring at it, putting back on, like like asking Tim all these questions about it, like trying to come up with the answer. He's like, it's got to be some sort of natural fiber type thing. <laughs> That's so funny. And he Tim just let him go through the entire process and it was like yeah that was pat's beard he trimmed it he wanted it to become a bird's nest and it didn't happen that's ridiculous so anyways that's i'm hilarious. sorry i'm sorry that's a funny story yeah but that, that's just an example of somebody that had to have the last word right anyways that's hilarious well she got you ever heard of the big circles in jordan I think so. This is a really quick one. All right. So scientists can't explain the big stone circles in Jordan. Now, these circles date back to 2,000 years ago, and they found 11 of these bad boys. Now, these circles are 1,312 feet in diameter. Holy hell. Yeah. And, well, it's like a wall. It's in a circle. Sure. The wall. the wall is just a few feet high, and there's no opening to like walk in or out of the circle. It's just an enclosed circle, and researchers have no clue what this was used for or why it was used or yada, yada, yada. So I'm thinking that there was some, some type of alien space station, and these were their landing areas in the circles. Because not far from these circles in Jordan, I forget what it's called, but I saw, I saw this in my research as well there's like just this random really long wall that's a few feet high and it's in jordan as well yeah i saw that and it's a couple miles long or it's like six miles long or something like that i can't remember how long it is but it's like a foot and a half high it's just this random wall sometimes there's two like running parallel to each other sure and some of the wall branches out in certain areas and they don't know what this wall was used for. They they think it could have been used for like ancient farming or something like that, or uh, trying to divide 
areas of territory or whatever. Yeah. But they have no clue what any of the shit was used for. Well, we won't know until some rich, open-minded billionaire funds us to go excavate it. Right. Because we're about as qualified <laughs> as any of these other idiots, to be completely honest. Right. But, yeah, there's just 11 of these big-ass circles that are 1,300 feet in diameter, and nobody use, nobody knows what they're used for. Yeah, that's a weird one for sure. And I saw that one in my research, and there is shit like that everywhere. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's so much stuff. And then even, like, everybody hates Graham Hancock. He talks about all sorts of ridiculous shit in, like, right. South America. And it's like, how can you just ignore some of this? Like, how you write a theory and you just ignore all the evidence that right. exists to the contrary. So that's a really strange... What I want to look into one of his books. He's got a couple of books I've out. been looking at some of them. I would start with, like, the Jim Marr shit because it's kind of, like, entry level. Sure. And then... get His, into, his like, shit's probably rough. Like, I was reading, the other guy I like is Zachariah Sitchin, who does a lot of the ancient alien theories. And the books are pretty good, but it's just like, oh my god, this is the densest thing I've ever read in my life. Sure. Anyways, I got one more I gotta get in. This one's, I think this one's really important. This one is called the Huayat Leco Archaeological Dig. And this one is from Mexico. Okay. This one is located 70, 75 miles southeast of Mexico City. In 1962, a team led by Cynthia Irwin Williams uncovered what appeared to be sophisticated stone tools that seemed to point it towards humans living in the New World far earlier than had been previously accepted. Now we brought that up on I think it was I think it was that Aliens Part F- Seven episode. Yeah, where we the, talked about the the footprints was, or something. Well, they're talking about the Americas. Yeah, yeah, they found evidence of over a hundred thousand years ago. Well, this is what I'm going to talk about. Okay, but we talked about it where there's like footprints that are twenty thousand years old, which yeah. make the land bridge theory yeah like not relevant anymore. Sure. So now best now this story is best associated now with a woman named Virginia Steele McIntyre, but these tools themselves had been tested by four different four different uh, like dating processes, including uranium series dating and fission tracking. I don't know anything about any of those, but I guess it's been done by like actual like hardcore dating processes that are widely accepted as being accurate. Sure. And all these processes that have been peer reviewed, meaning other people have verified the the results of the studies. Place the tools at being roughly 250,000 years old. Damn. Which, not only would that make the humans in the America theory, like, place humans in America way earlier than we ever thought. These would be some of the earliest tools that we ever have any evidence of. Right. Let alone something so sophisticated. What What were the tools? They were, was it a hammer? Uh, it was, like, a double-edged blade was one. Mm. I think shears were one. Wow. Like, sophisticated stuff. So the world, the anthropology world lost their shit over this in a bad way. Because if, if this were to be even remotely true, it would blow up everything. Right. Like every textbook would have to be rewritten and it certainly wouldn't be the people that wrote the previous textbooks writing the new ones. Right. So this was in 1962 and this was under attack immediately. Like every aspect of this case was attacked. Like they were saying, oh, these women are sensationalists. They're trying to do all this stuff and nobody would publish the writing. And this, the other woman, the Virginia Steele McIntyre had been like working forever to try to get somebody to recognize or just publish the studies or, or evidence. But every time they ran a test on the stuff that they dug up, the dates kept on coming back consistent. Like I think the earliest dating was even a hundred thousand years ago, but even that mm. is ridiculous. Yeah. So even today, like this is, this happened 59 years ago. Even today, they don't have an answer for this. They can't right. figure it out. And every time anybody talks about it, it's not, what do these tools say? It's, well, we know 
they couldn't be there because of this theory or that theory or whatever. There's no there's no critical thinking being done. Right. And it really, that bothers me a whole lot. And I was doing a lot of reading about this today. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, how does anthropology even exist as a science if we can't even try to figure this one out? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is the Huayetleco archaeological dig. And they found other stuff in similar That's sites. Interesting. And it almost looked like, they said it almost looked like people have been living there for a, a very long amount of time. And like, they could see like the progression of tools, like getting more sophisticated as time went on at some points. It's unreal. And but, um, isn't um here in our own home state of Ohio, yeah. Serpent Mound. That's another really weird one. Now, isn't that dated to be like a couple hundred, isn't that dated to be like 100,000? years yes and what's funny about that one is back to the smithsonian institute they did a study on the mounds and they said that this was back in the 1800s they said that the mounds could not have been built by native americans because they weren't sophisticated enough is what the smithsonian was saying back then damn now that tone hasn't changed nearly as much as the smithsonian wants you to think that it has changed sure but that was the kind of journalism and publication that they were creating back then this was the first books that the smithsonian published was about the mounds saying oh well these people couldn't have done this it's too precise for them there's no way that they could have been smart enough to do this you know it's 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 just incredible how the ancients were just one with nature back then. Yeah. It's but unreal. It's incredible, too, how we're how seeing... How they knew the skies the way they did. Yeah. But the trends exist across the entire world. Sure. It's not just one culture did this. Sure, everybody's got their little differences, but pyramids exist everywhere, and the, the shape is exactly the same. Right. Even the mounds, even if they're a different type of structure, they all follow the similar similar rules. Right. It is very weird. So I think people have been in America for a very, very, very long time. I don't know where life started, but I think it's very possible that humanity was kind of separated at one point. Sure. And put across the globe. And I don't I don't I don't buy into the land bridge theory at all. And I think we've talked about enough evidence where we can't we can't be accepting that one anymore. Right. And even still, even if you use that theory, it doesn't really work. I agree. And this is a this could be a topic that we could do we could do this every week for a couple months we went around run out of shit oh yeah like there was one i saw about like in south america they found like a tablet with like chinese glyphs and it's like the best explanation was that there's a separate group of people down there that just happened to write in the same exact chinese that china was writing in back then right and it's like how the hell do we land on that conclusion (laughs) you know what i mean yeah, that's ridiculous. So, anyways, that's our archaeological discussion. Yeah, man. I mean, there's there's, there's so, there's so much many in this one. Like, there were so, so many, many I wanted to talk about that I couldn't. But, anyways, I feel like that was a pretty interesting discussion, at least. Yeah, that was really good. A lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Definitely. I think it's important to keep doing this type of research, though. Keep questioning what's going on. Unlike anything else, anthropology is the one thing in the school where theories are presented as facts. Sure. Like, yeah. the land bridge was presented as a fact when we were little kids. Right. I don't know why it's so important to ram that type of thing down the minds of kids. Unless they're just trying to create conformists. Or maybe, uh, maybe a lot of these people are forced to make a decision from the people that are funding these projects and it's like all right we're giving millions of dollars to this you guys need to find out what the hell's going on and then they claim that they know what's going on and they they just kind of have to stick by it i don't know maybe they're stuck it could be it's really weird though and it's tough to do independent research on this topic and not come up with a lot more questions than answers sure because who could be right and even if these people are wrong what makes the established process the correct one so for sure anyways that's our discussion on archaeology i thought that was an interesting episode if you guys know of any mysterious archaeological discoveries 
tweet us at 30 in the or comment on our Facebook page. Yes, please do that. There were a lot more that we probably could have gotten into today, but I think that was a good, that was at least a good primer. This is a topic we could definitely revisit in the future. Definitely, 100%. So that was a good episode. Uh, listeners was okay. The remote viewing wasn't as good as the Mandela Effect episode was, mm. but my mom really liked the remote viewing episode. Awesome. And there was a lot more I could have done with that one. That was kind of a primer. Like I forgot <laughs> some major shit with that, but at least the discussion came together okay. So. That was a really good one. Anyways, uh, we thank you guys for listening. Please tweet us at 30 in the. Please check us out on Facebook. Please check us out on Twitter, Xbox Live. That's all I got, so. Peace. He probably won't, but I, like, if, if, if this shit didn't happen, the shit with the girl in the bar, I would say give him at least two years. Sure. Now. Even Chip Kelly got, like, what, four years? But Chip Kelly was at least an X's and O's guy. Urban, for better or for worse, Urban Meyer's always had a reputation as a recruiter first, morale booster second, tactician third. No one ever thinks that Urban Meyer is, wow, look at the Urban Meyer offense, or look at the Urban Meyer defense. That's true. Or look at his system. And in the NFL, the co- head coaches seem to be system quarterbacks. Bill Belichick runs a system. He runs a defensive system sure. that gets some head coaching jobs. Offensive coordinators seem to be the big thing, but it's always an offensive system first, running the team second. Right. Think about it. Think about all these head coaches these days. Right. There are very few guys that are like football coaches first and foremost. Right. Which is a weird, it's kind of weird to think about, but the NFL values a system more so than values everything else. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I didn't think that, he was NFL caliber in the first place. I didn't either. Especially offensively. I, mean, I was interested I, to see what he was going to do. Yeah, definitely. But, but I think it's a dumpster fire. I was kind of disappointed the way that they used Tebow. One, they, they didn't really do much with Tebow. But why are, we would, really, are we really talking about this right now? Yes. Oh, my God. I why Why would you make him a tight end? What else can he do? That is, what can the, he, that is the stupidest thing ever, in my should opinion. He, what should he be? A fullback? A quarterback? He, a running he, back? He could have been used in, like... A linebacker? Linebacker, maybe. But as far as offensively, he could have been used in, like, certain packages and, like, wildcat formations, shit like that, because he can throw the ball. You just, you just don't want him throwing all the time. He can make a couple throws for you. You can you can come up with something creative to do with Tebow, but you don't put him at the tight end position. The guy's never caught a pass in his life. You've he's, got, ne- he's never ran a route. You've got 53 guys on a roster, which gives you, on an active game day, you've got a backup for every position and then your, uh, your specialists. And I think one other player, like one other extra offensive lineman or Is something. Is he good enough to be on a team? No. No. I'm, I'm just saying that. They could have tried something different with him. You don't have time to do that with a rookie quarterback with a high. Uh, I'm just a high draft pick rookie. I'm just saying that's not what I would have done with Tebow. But even if even if he were, if he, why why bring him in in the first place if you're not going to do something with him? Even if he belonged on the roster, he should be able to run down the field without getting knocked over on every single play. <laughs> Did you see him in the first? <laughs> oh my god, game? he was it was terrible. He couldn't against, he couldn't make any blocks against the Browns. He couldn't get off the ground. Every play he ended up on the ground immediately. Anyways, terrible. That's all going to get cut. That's all getting cut, yeah. Of Cobb's young children. Oh, my God. (laughs) Inexplicit. Cut. Inexplicit. Inexplicit.
inexplicably, inexplicably, <laughs> inexplicably. There we go. Inexplicably. Add that in, please. Cot. Thank you. <laughs> the antic cot. Antikythera. This one is called cot. Sorry. This one is called the antic. I've seen. I saw this one. This one's a really good one. It's odd. And yeah. I had it. I I've been practicing this I, all day. I I deliberately did not choose this one because I figured you would do this one. Okay. <laughs> Antikythera mechanism. <laughs>